What is up, my friends? Welcome to Rebel and Create's Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, where I interview incredible fathers, gaining wisdom from their stories for you and I to grow in our craft. I'm your guide, Ned Shout, father to five kiddos, currently ages 10 to 16, and husband to my rad wife, Sarah, working on her 19th year of marriage. So yep, I'm in the thick of it, the adventure of fatherhood, and I'm working daily to rebel against the low expectations for fathers and create a world where fathers know who they are as they show up for their families. You and I have the greatest opportunity to impact our world through the way we embrace our fatherhood role. I believe the role of fathers to serve, guide, provide, protect, and of course, have fun in the messiness of it all. I'm excited for you to meet today's guest, Nick Brandon, and I do apologize. I was under the weather and my audio quality is a bit poor. So hopefully you can make it through. There's some great content. I'd love for you to meet Nick. A couple nuggets is we can always love more. And Nick has really chosen to see his kids. What a beautiful thing for us to really take the time to see our children. All right, my friends, welcome to Fatherhood Field Notes. Nick Brandon is with us today. Nick, how are you today? Man, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. This is cool. Yeah, man, stoked. You know, I think that's so cool. The world we live in with Instagram, you know, we just connected on Instagram. You seem like a great dad, a good dude, uh, hustling for your family. And so here we are. Now we're just going to spend an hour talking fatherhood. You're in Georgia. I'm in Hawaii. Let's rock and roll, yeah? Sounds good. Let's do it. Okay. So to help people understand who I'm talking to here, and, and I'm just meeting you myself, how old do you find yourself today? So I'm, I'm 29, just turned 29 in June. Um, yeah, I'm born in nine, or 93. Nice. Nice. 29 years old, and how many years you've been married? We've been, man, we kind of did a lot of things backwards, right? But I think we're going on our third or fourth year on marriage. I get confused. I think it's 2000. Seven, 17 or 18, we got married. That's okay. We're not going to hold you to the date. <laughs> and then how many kiddos do you guys have? We have two. Now, I got the date. I guess it's, it's in March. But the, year, the same thing, like we always, uh, when we were coming up in August, because we started dating in August, we're like, which, me and her are both so bad with dates. We're like, it's around this time. You know, one of these weekends, we'll just go out and celebrate. You know, we had two kids. Evie, or her name's Evelyn. We call her Evie. She's she's five, and then uh, my son Ronan. He goes by Roro. He just he just turned three, June fourth. Love it, dude. Right on. And then, what do you do for a living? So this question I love and hate. Most men use it to size each other up. The reason why I ask the question is because it helps dads listening to realize that fatherhood's a level playing field. Because you and I are going to share share some things on fatherhood, and and come to find out, it doesn't matter if you, what job you have. We all kind of struggle or have to deal with the same things when it comes to fatherhood. So with that being said, what is it that you do to provide for the family? Yeah. Um, so I currently own and operate a roofing company. I'm actually in business with my father. Um, so we own Hero Roofing. We've been in business since 2018. And prior to that, I, I was a salesman for a roofing company while I was bartending and serving at the same restaurant I met my wife. So I started as a father in the restaurant industry, been a newborn, working until like two three o'clock in the morning and now, you know, I get the three o'clock in the afternoon talk to you. So it's pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah. And, and from, you know, this isn't a business podcast, but from kind of the looks of things, your hero roofing company is uh, doing pretty well, huh? Yeah. It's dude, it's been a blessing. It's exploded. Like, honestly, it's been really crazy. It's grown really quick. 
we've had some really good people that's came on with our with our business. Like one of my main salesmen, I met him at church, and he's been with us since we started. Um, but yeah, I mean, we started with like fifteen hundred bucks, you know, and now we're just we crank out, you know, almost a thousand roofs a year. So it's it's a lot, you know. It's but it but it's very fulfilling, I would say. And did you start that business with your dad? I did. So he was actually, when I was, so when I was serving a bartending and um, my wife was wor- was working at Takamak too. That's the restaurant I worked at. It's called Takamak, but it's like a sports bar. Okay. Um, I wanted to get into sales. I just knew like something with, like I didn't, you know, I was never big in school. So I didn't, I just figured out it's good at the sales side of like in the restaurant industry. So I wanted to apply and get into sales and, and I was looking at like the beverage industry at first with inside, like, you know, cause I just knew the restaurant industry and either like, I just wasn't getting any, getting callbacks on interviews cause I had an experience or like it paid really low. And so mm-hmm. on social media, it was on a roofing company. I'm like, Hey, I'm hiring. I messaged a guy on Facebook and he's like, you're hired. <laughs> and like gave me a ladder. And I mean, that was it. Like, so I kind of like self-taught myself. I learned a bunch. Like I just, I'd go out. You know, when I wasn't working in the restaurant, I'd go out and just door knock all day long and ask people if I could if I could look at the roof, basically. And um, my dad was one of the first people to tell me, like, you just need to do open your own. Like, as I started getting good at it, he's like, you know, open your own business. No one's going to do it the way you want to do it. And he was doing sheet metal, like industrial commercial work out in Biloxi. Oh, okay. So I was like, well, move to Georgia and, you know, help me out. And uh, and then we just kind of been rocking since. So we started out just me and him. And did- did he have a business background like did he own his own business prior no he's always worked for somebody he was always you know w2 i mean i kind of had more that i got more the entrepreneur spirit than him it's more like a operations boots to the ground construction experience guy just because he's been around it so much man good for you guys how rad so uh we won't uh, deviate too much but um what was your relationship like with your dad pre pre-starting the business i mean obviously it had to be pretty good um so yeah i guess that's the question is how did you and your dad you so it's been 2018 so four years ago so you were like 25 years old how is your relationship with your dad good like what cultivated that actually at that point it was good but from uh the time i graduated high school up until early 20s it was really bad mm. not really bad how so just i just think i was like a stubborn teenager that think I wanted I knew everything see my dad got custom when I was nine so I lived with him from nine to 18 and at 18 like you know my dad was very very strict too like it was just like his way is real strict I mean I skateboarded I think I'll tell you about this he always I mean he's trying to like yeah random drug tests I'm like dude I'm not I literally did not do anything as a kid you know I was a very clean kid I just want to go out and have fun and, uh, you know, he just, he knew the kind of crowd I, I guess I was with. So he was just always. So because you skateboarded, he wanted to drug test you. I think that might yeah, be it's awesome. part of it. Right. <laughs> so, um, I moved out like right at 18, then talked to him for a little bit, you know, and then we started talking together, but we, again, but we just, we would bump, we'd bump heads and, um, he's not real good at his, you know, he wasn't as good at me as showing emotion. Like you don't want to sit down and talk, you, you know, we'd, he'd flip a switch and, you know, we get an argument and then wouldn't talk for a minute. And, um, but I think as I started to age, I kind of understood him a lot more and was able to mm. us to get along. And that's kind of cultivated over the, over the years of business. And there's of course good days and bad days being in business with your, with your dad for sure. 
but more good days, I think, than anything. That's awesome. So, you know, on one hand, you said you, as you matured, you started to understand him. But from your perspective, looking back, and nothing to say, I mean, hey, kudos to your dad for fighting for you. I don't know the story, you know, but you coming and him raising you from nine on. But if you were to say, you know, was it just you were kind of a punk from 18 to 22, 23? Or if you were to give any wisdom to dads who maybe have a son who they butt heads with, how would you recommend a dad show up for their son in that manner? I think at that point in life too, because, you know, I think part of it is, you know, I, my dad was single, right? So he was also mm. trying to be in at that time. He's not now, but he was trying to be in a dating dating scene. And so I think me as like a teenager growing up was seeing just like these, you know, him, him going on a date with someone or, you know, he had, he had a, a long, this a long relationship for a while with, and I think just I think part of me was maybe seeing that, you know, a lot of attention, a lot of stuff was going there. Um, and I was just kind of like I felt like just a punk at his house. You know what I mean? Uh, living there. So I think one is like understanding those, you know, we all know, like when we were younger, like we go through so much growth also. But like emotions, like learn how to deal with ourselves as we mature. I mean, it's like I was talking to one of my employees today. He's in his early 20s and he's been climbing a roost for two years. And he's like, you think as I did this. I would get more comfortable, but I get more scared. And I was like, that's because you're getting old, <laughs> you know, but yeah, yeah, back yeah. to like when I was younger, like I just didn't think things through, through clearly, you know, like I just didn't, I would just act. And then I would learn from, I would, I would act and mess up, make a huge mistake. I wouldn't do it again. I was one, I've always been one of those guys that would, I'd do something once and not learn from it, but I would do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I think, um, trying to, you know, looking at my dad's side, trying to, respect understand that wisdom and, and not just ignoring them but i think as, as that dad being able to relate you know because we've all been 18 before and kind of just yeah. like i think relax and kind of listen to what they're trying to say and what they're even trying to do so you can actually help them and not letting your emotion overpower them i think has a lot to do it you know just i mean just conversating with with even even doesn't matter the age of your kid whether it's kids five or 16 being able to sit down and have a legitimate conversation and uh, them both be yeah. like when my kid's upset, I'm like, Hey, you need to calm down and let's talk, you know, relax. Let's take a deep breath. And then let's, let's talk about what happened. You know, they still need to be disciplined or whatever. The same thing. Like when we're teenagers, I don't think that, I don't think the conversations happen a lot with teenagers and, and, and parents. I don't think the conversator talk enough about what's really going on with them. Yeah. That's a great thing. Like, even as I'm thinking back, just, I've been frustrated with my son, a few times the last couple of days, because I'll say like, hey, you and your friends made this mess, fix fix this. And then I come back and it's not fixed. And it's not because he doesn't care. It's just that he's just continuing to do things. So I think, as I think about those, it's not conversations. It's just me telling him what to do. So I think if I could just have a conversation like, hey, bro, you having fun with your friends? Check it out. You guys all made lunch. Who's responsible to clean us up? All oh, dad, we are versus just telling him. So I think the conversation piece is huge. Um, so maybe as dads, if you're, if you're talking to your kid, maybe have a little check-in in your head. Hey, is this a conversation or not? Is this just me talking? Yeah, yeah. I think my wife gave me kind of gave me this was when she was growing up whenever she would ask her, her mom something or ask her like, you know, her mom would tell her to do something. She'd say, why? Her mom would say, because I said so. Right. I needed that response as a kid. And she's like, but there really is a reason we're telling our kids to do something. 
And so instead of saying, because I said so, explain to you, hey, this is why we do this. This is why you need to clean up after yourself. You know, it could be clean up your lunch because bugs are going to come. Like, but this is why, you know, whatever the reason. Right. There's just so many parents that just want to, like, get yelled direction and then not give them any reason why to do so, which doesn't help them form habits. Like, if you tell, if you explain to someone Hmm. Hey, this is what you do, and this is why you do it. That's what forms a habit. I feel like. Yeah, I dig it. All right, man. Next question here. Think back to becoming a father. The past few years. What point did you embrace the adventure of fatherhood? Like, at what point did you go, "Whoa, this matters. My role matters." Was there a moment that that kind of hit you as as your role as a dad being significant? I feel like, yes, almost right away, but then I've seen like waves and different memories um, of things. <clears throat> you know, it's, it's been different stages, right? Like when it was just my daughter, you know, I think the first time when she was a baby and grabbed my finger, I'm like, this is a big deal. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm. And this is it, you know? And then um, in 2019, beautiful, man. Yeah, in 2019, I fell through a roof like 38 feet. Um, was able to walk away from it where I've, I got a friend of mine in this industry that fell 12 feet and broke his back. And he's, you know, so, I mean, I literally walked away from a deadly fall and um, just my kids, like, you know, my, my daughter at that time was very, very, you know, she was young. She'd have been like, I think two or three, but just the concern, you know, and just knowing like I could have been out of my out of my children's life at a very young age, um, just knows the impact that you can have on, you know, you, you have a huge impact on, on your kids. You know, I grew up from a split home and I've got so many friends and family that grew up without one parent or the other. And, you know, you know, it, it definitely, definitely affects, affects those people as they get older. So, I mean, I think I've seen it right away, but as these kids of age, even today, dropping the kids off at school, you know, and my three-year-old going to school for the first time was kind of, was a huge deal. Them looking at me and I'm like, you're good, dude. Like, you got it, <laughs> you know? Dude, so t- okay, so let's talk about that for a minute. So you're you're you took today your son to preschool for the free for the first time, right? And he's three. Yes. And so you're saying he's he looked at you, and then you looked at him like you got this, bro. Yeah. Yeah. So I, was, I got to go. It was like I said, our kids go to the same school. Evie's going to be she's upstairs above him. He's down. I think they got pre K three on the lower level. So me and uh, my wife were able to we we drove all rode together. And uh, but he's getting on the car looking at both of us, and he's like, "You good?" And he grab he grabs his, his sister's hand right away. I feel like he always looks for his mm. for comfort. And uh, she walked him in, and she keeps saying, "She's like, if they if you need anything, running, they'll come get me." And and the, the time they come down and check on you, I'm like, "Babe, they're not gonna have you come check on your brother." But that's good to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> like he's got to do. That's so sweet, though. Oh my gosh, that's so sweet. Wild, dude, taking your kid to school for the first time today um, and how rad that you guys all went as a family. When you when you think about becoming a father and, you know, these first few stages of life with the kids, what have you learned about yourself? Well, I I think, you know, I've learned a lot. You know, I've learned that I can always be more patient. I feel like I am a pretty patient person. Um but when it's like eight o'clock at night and both your kids are just going nuts and they're not listening, you can always use a little bit more patience, you know? Um, 
but I, I, I've learned that, you know, I can, you know, that us as humans or me, you know, the, the most important thing is love and we can love so much and you can never give enough love. And I, I've definitely learned that is I can always give my kids more love. Mm. That's been real big for me. And what does that look like? Every, I mean, so many ways, right? Um, my son now, like I say, he's three and I hope it, I doubt he's going to be doing this when he's 13 and 15, but I put him to bed and as I'm shutting the door, he like me, we blow each other kisses. I'll close the door and open back up. He's blows me like, it will do like 10 times, mm. you know, um, you know, always like holding hands, you know, when we're going out in the parking lot, stuff like that, you know, um, just always, just always loving on your kids. You know what I mean? Just telling them, um, always tell them nice things. Like I'm consistently telling my kids that they're handsome or they're beautiful, um, whatever it is. And, you know, if it makes my daughter Brad, I'll let them, I'll let whoever she decides to marry deal with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Nick, what, what has shaped you to be a, you know, 29 year old dad that's holding his son's hand, blowing his son kisses. You know, you kind of said you came from a broken home, moved in with your dad at nine, that he was super strict. So, I mean, I don't know, maybe he was tender and loving on top of being very strict. But what has allowed you the freedom to, to kind of be yourself and be connected to your kids in that kind of like lovey-dovey emotional way? Um, yeah, well, back on my dad, you're, you're right. He did have his very – it was very small moments. I mean, I think he has more now as he's gotten older. Um, but uh, those were like the moments I cherished a lot. You know what I mean? Mm. Like I try to put myself in my kids, you know, look, I just, I'm just an overthinker to the max too, you know? And so I look at my kids, like how's my kids feel in this situation? How would I, how would I feel if I was a kid? And, uh, mm. and I think too, is like, I just don't care. I'm not very opinionated at all. And I don't care what people's opinions are. I mean, I think a lot of mm. men just, care too much about outside world opinion. You know, they want to look like they're tough at all times, you know, and it don't matter. We're not going to take that with us. You know, what, what does matter is the effect we can have on the people directly around us. And uh, that starts with your family, right? So me loving on, you I mean, Evie, my, my five-year-old, she's gotten, this year she got the kindness award at school. The year before that was like the most uh. or something. So, you know, just like the love she gets on at home that she's she's sharing that at school, right? Uh, and that, that was really important to me. But I think I've just, like I said, I just, no, I don't really, to me, it doesn't matter what's going on outside. Just what, what matters is how my family, how my family is, you know? Yeah, so you have like a conviction um, about the impact that you have on those, like in your actual immediate grip, right? It's like you understand the impact you have on your daughter less than your neighbor or whoever else might have an opinion about you that really you don't have that much of an impact. Like they don't really, really know you. Um, <clears throat> and uh, I really love that about you. Uh, it's something that I desire to cultivate is, is to not care so much about what the world around thinks. But uh, I just love the intentionality with your kids. And, and it's like, you know, on this podcast, sometimes we will have somebody who like wrote a book about parenting or whatever, which is cool. I get it. Brad, give us some cool, um, to, you know, things to implement in our lives. But I think what I love so much about Rebel and Create podcasts is the conversations with just like, like regular dad, you know, like we're just regular dads yeah. and, and, and you love your kids and you're, you know, this helps us know, like we look at the world and think it's such a 
crap show sometimes, but you're blowing kisses to your three-year-old son over and over, not just worried about getting to your show or whatever else that you have going on. I'm sure there's those nights too. I mean, you know, but, uh, the intentionality with your kids, man. And, and to me, that is what family's about. It's about all those little moments, uh, those little day-to-day moments. So kudos to you for, for embracing that. So this leads me to the question, you know, what is the role of the father? So when you think about your role, clearly you have a conviction of it being important and it mattering, but what would you define that role as? It's a huge role. Um, I mean, it starts as, you know, pretty much head of the family. So I think you're, you're a leader and you're a protector. Um, and then I think we're there. Our role is to, you know, raise our kids at the very best. I mean, with the very best ability we can, you know, um, I say that, man, I just see so many lazy parents, you know, mm. we all, I mean, I don't think anybody watching this podcast is a lazy parent at all. I listen to this podcast, of course, but we all know what we're talking about, you know, we've, yeah. Um, but I think put as much intention into being a father as you possibly can and being able to raise your kids with the values you know, your value may look a little bit different than my values, but I think of distilling our values into our children so they can be ready to impact this world at their best of their ability and, and not waver from your values because they're, they've been distilled in them over the course of 18 years. So they want to go out in this world, which isn't very great. And I know in 18 years from now or 15 years from now, maybe even a little bit, <laughs> a little bit worse to go off into. Hopefully it's not the case, right? But knowing that they're not going to waver from who they are as a person and be able to stand in character. So I think just loving your your kids and raising them the best of your ability and always leading and protecting them. And um, like I said, I'm overthinking us. I mean, that's one one thing is I think a lot of us fathers got to be prepared for is, I mean, you really, I think as a father, I mean, you take that oath, like you got to be able to, in one hand, lay down your life for your kids, but they kids like, well, the best of your ability, you know, it's kind of that you love, you have to be a lover and a fighter to be a dad, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Okay. You said three things and the first one to write this down and I'm going to cut this out. It's at like 30 minutes. Um, you said three things that really stuck out to me. You know, and the first one is values. You know, on one hand, we go, yes, have core values as a family and shout men do this and shout family do this or Brandon, you know, this is how the Brandon family shows up. And clearly your daughter, you know, got the kindness award. So there's a value being transferred already, you know, but then we live in a world who's like, we're so individual and what's your truth and everybody gets to decide whatever they want. But you as a dad have this opportunity to teach your values to your kids. Like they could do whatever they want with them when they move out and go live their own lives. But what are your thoughts on that? Like you have 18 years more probably, but to impart values, like how do you, do you stop and say, this is our values or are you just living based off some sort of foundational truth you believe in and you're hoping to pass that to your kids? Like, what does that look like to teach kids values? I think it's more of, for us, I don't think we, you know, now you go to my office, there's a list of core values on the wall. We don't have that at our house, of course, you know, but I think it's like you said, just, just distilling, distilling the way we live our lives and the reason why, again, explaining like, Hey, why are we kind, you know, um, you know, why do we need to tell the truth and be honest, you know, but it's just, 
it's that repetition over the course of years. Like this is the way we live our life. And this is, this is why we should live our life this way. You know? And us going to church on Sunday and, and, you know, and praying every night and reading the Bible, I think that definitely, you know, distills that. Like that's kind of their, I mean, there's the literature they need. So, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I know you kind of mentioned the core values on the wall at the house. You know, that's something that we've we've put up. And there's a friend of mine, Mike McCarthy, and his wife put together a rad book called um, Miracle Morning Workbook for Parents. And it like helps you to come up with those core values for your home, for your family, which is cool to do with your kids, you know, because you're already doing it. Um, but to have those, you know, where you could say them, kind of know them or see them on the wall. Uh, I think is is pretty rad because you're already living them, right? Kindness, faith, whatever those are. Um, but to kind of see it is pretty rad. So the second thing you said when I asked the role of the father, the first one was values. The second one is you said uh, something about who they are, which is this confirmation of identity. And I just really want dads to hear that. Like, how do you feel your role is to confirm or affirm who they are? What does that mean? Who our children are? Yeah. Yeah. I think helping them find, like, like you said, their identity and what they're good at and what kind of sets them apart from everybody around them and them knowing that is super important. Mm. Um, and my daughter, man, um, we call her a Taekwondo princess because mm. she loves going to do Taekwondo. She's like, she's got belt test today. But at the same time, she likes, she, she's doing ballet and loves to do arts and crafts and everything. And her room is, super girly and she loves all the princesses, you know, so knowing her identity and knowing like, Hey, this is, you know, who you are, what you like to do, at least at this stage in her life. Right. Um, but, you know, making sure they get to try multiple things too, you know, like she, she played one season of softball, a season before that she played soccer. Me and uh, my wife were actually her, her coach, the coaches of the soccer team, and she liked it. And uh, we could tell she didn't really like softball, but I see these kids nowadays that do this because their parent did that. And what they're doing is like mm-hmm. taking the of their parents' identity instead of finding their own. You know, I'm nothing like my dad. Not a bad uh, way. You know, we have our own identities and my kids have their own identities too. Now I can share my hobbies and love and, and passions with them, but we also need to find out what our kids actually like to do and embrace those hobbies. You know, just because you played soccer – all the way up to college doesn't mean your kid's going to want to play soccer. You know, what's, what's so cool about what you shared when you're talking about your daughter, the Taekwondo princess is then you shared some, some things about her room and about her life and what matters to her. And as I hear you say that, like, you know, your daughter, right? Right. Like, you know, her and you see her and, and I would suspect that she feels seen by you which that is so affirming to our identity, right? Like all of us to some level are insecure and struggling. Like, who am I? How do I show up in the world? But if you have a father who is seeing you, confirming you, it's going to change your life. And so dads, I really hope you hear what Nick is saying, because if we could do that for our own kids, just really know them and see them and help them know that it's going to be like foundational for their life. 100%. You know, it kind of um, goes back into not being, you know, being an evolved parent, you know, being as contributing, being a part of it as much as you can and, and not being a lazy parent, man. It's just, you know, it's. Yeah, don't be a lazy parent. <laughs> uh, I like it. That's pretty good. 
easy, easy to say, and uh, it's easy to do. You just got to do it, right? Just make it happen. So the third thing you said was character. We don't got to beat a dead horse, but I think that we're getting that in the values and the confirming their identity that ultimately we're creating, you know, people with character. And uh, I I think that that's coming out clear, but I'll jump to my next question. Um, This podcast is fatherhood field notes and you're doing it, opening up your life, sharing your field notes with us. The mantra behind it is rebel and create. And what this means is, you know, what's something that you're rebelling against? It could be, you know, cell phones at the dinner table so that we can create, you know, family conversations, or it could be something on on a different scale. So when you hear the words rebel and create, what's something you're rebelling against and what do you hope to create out of that? Um, you know, I think technology is definitely a, a big one with us. Just for, this is something small to note on there. Um, when, my, when Evie was really young and we were working in the restaurant industry, she had a little iPad. And so, like, I mean, we would have to take her to work with us sometimes. And, I mean, we learned quickly. Like, she was, like, addicted to that thing, and then we would be on our cell phones. So now our kids don't have, like, any technology at all. Um, and that's one thing, you know, we do is we put our cell phones face down, you know, away from the table when, when we're all together or when we're doing any event. It doesn't matter if we're watching TV or whatever it is, you know, Um my, my thing, my cell phone is like Monday through near eight to five, like it's just completely like work stuff all day long. So then like I try to like relax and catch up on like what's on my actual social life on it, if there is one. And I think that can kind of get dragged into like my home, you know, being at home with the kids. So learning like, hey, that stuff's not important and turning it off. But I think I think in my personal life, um, growing up, man, like I said, my parents got divorced at two. My mom like quickly got remarried to who is my brother's, my brother's, my half brother's dad. It was my stepdad for a long time. Um, and they were, you know, I mean, it was basically drugs and abuse. You know, I was watching my mom get abused a lot. I was surrounded by um, basically like drug dealers. And like he got, basically he got caught when I was nine. That's when my dad got full custody of me. And he was trying to combat that stuff the whole time you know, defects are consistently in and out of the house. But one thing I learned growing up and one thing I learned a lot, a lot about my friends is like, just seems more and more and more today, like divorce is just so common. Families split over anything and the smallest things. Um, and so like when I was growing up, I always like dreamed of, or I mean, I would daydream of like my parents getting back together or stuff that wouldn't you know, happen. And then I would dream about like what, when I grew up, like what's my, life gonna look like i can do something different than from what i grew up from and i mean i was a little kid daydreaming of like marrying like the one of my woman of my dreams and having children and then like that's came true which is amazing but i think that's like one thing we're against in this day and age is like actually having you know a you know a, a husband and wife family a conventional family i guess it's crazy that we have to say that but yeah 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 for sure that should be the normal, but that's, I think, what I'm rebelling against is is creating a, a conventional family full of love that um, we can share and make memories with, and we can go through just about any hardship together, and we, we know where we're going to stand. Yeah, what a beautiful foundation you're giving to your kids, um, just with that conviction that, you know, marriage, marriage matters. You know, so obviously you have on one hand, you have this growing up with this feeling of 
this doesn't seem right. This isn't how it's supposed to be, right? So there's something inside you going, I don't dig this. There's another way. Um, is there anything else that kind of gives you that conviction of marriage being significant or important to you? No, I mean, I think definitely, um, you know, making a commitment and being Christian and keeping that commitment, you know, is huge. Um, but also just the woman I, I, you know, that I'm married to, you know, I love her. She's, she's amazing. I love her more every day. And, um, one thing is like, I, I see so many, so many men this day and age, they, they get married, they have kids and then kind of just, I'm not going to say abandoned, but you know what I mean? And then, and that, that wife, like at that time is basically just kind of left stranded unless she's whatever she can collect as far as child support and stuff like that. But because my wife's made a huge commitment to me, you know what I mean? Like, uh, I mean, she's decided to support the business we've grown, you know, and she, you know, she's turned down careers and things like that to stay home and take care of the kids. Um, she hasn't pursued careers that she used to want to pursue. I mean, she's just completely helped me chase my dream for our family. Um, which, you know, and at the end, I mean, that's a little, even though I'm doing something for my family, it still takes a little bit of selfishness. Right. And so to have that support is, is huge. I mean, there's, it's everything really. I mean, you know, but at the end of the day, like I just, you know, I don't, I don't tell people like I, you know, it's not, I don't not telling anyone that's listening, like to stay married just for the kids. Right. That's not what I'm getting at, but I'm getting at, I just think we need to promote healthy marriages and our kids need to see healthy marriages. And, and I think uh, when we make a commitment, like we need to like honor it and be men and, and work hard for our, for our families and love our, love our wives and show our kids how we love our wives. Um, Cause our, like I said, just me as a, as, as a kid growing up, I didn't know what I had no clue as a child, what it was like for someone to like love, like for someone to love my, I guess my mom or to love a, to see a loving family or a loving spouse and husband. I was never around that at all. Yeah. yeah. So I learned how to do that, you know, on my own, but I think now this, you know, it's, you know, our kids can see what a healthy relationship supposed to look like. Yeah. I mean, so, so, you talk about this word commitment, which I think is huge and honoring our commitments. I mean, right there, that's that if our culture honored commitments and, and cared about prom, you know, like I commit to this, uh, things would be a lot different. When you think about your own life, you didn't have a model for the marriage that you have. Um, how are you then, how are you then, you know, you're, you're, been married for five, six years. Yeah. So how are you then? Like, are you, are you, do you seek mentors or do you read books or like, what are you doing to set yourself up with this conviction that 20 years from now, you'll still have the same feeling? Yeah. I need to read more. I read a few books, um, already a couple of this year and consistently try to read or do a lot of audible, I should say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm driving a lot. So I use a lot of audible, but I think I've always, um, I've always been a sentimental guy. I'm more of this, even in, in, in our relationship, I think I'm a little bit more sentimental than my wife is. Um, so I can relate to that. <laughs> I think, I think a lot of us guys are more sensitive than we try to perceive, you know? I yeah. Think yeah. I agree. Um, but I think, I think that's kind of always just, 
you know, I've always been sentimental. Even like when I was dating, when I was younger, I was that kid that was writing his girlfriend love letters in high school. So um, it's just always been, 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 I don't know. <laughs> so have you had any models like married couples that are ahead of you in life that are, that are setting a bit of a tone for you or that you look to as a, as kind of a, a rock, if you will? Yeah, now the last couple of years we have, you know, luckily we've um, been a part of the same church rep for years. And so there's been some great mentors and people we've been around. And of course, with um, a lot of those couples were older and we lost a couple a couple people this past couple of years with, with COVID. Mm. So, um, one, of the, one of the couples in our church, it's actually my uh, my employees. It's his, it was his great, great grandparents. He called, you know, they, um, they were in the church were married the longest. I think it's like 35 years or something like that. And he, and, uh, he just, he passed away last year. His name is, uh, Mr. Crumb. Uh, his, his, his wife, Miss Crumb, she's such a sweetheart. She still comes in every Sunday and Austin now lives with her and helps take care of her and everything. Um, him and his, him and his wife got married and the next month moved in with his great grandma to pretty much take care, help take care of her, drive her around. You know, I think that, just come in as a newlywed couple for sure. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. So, but, but, um, go ahead. I'll say yeah, but I think that we have, we're lucky now. In our point of lives, we're surrounded by a lot of very good couples at our church. That you know, we're actually in a couples class we go to. We, we don't get to make it every Wednesday, but it's it's a it's a younger couples class on Wednesdays, and our pastor runs that class. Yeah, but you're investing time in it, right? So I think that's kind of what I was asking is if dudes are in the same boat, they're like, yeah, my marriage is rocking. I love it. It's great. This matters to me. You know, knowing that life is messy, running a business, having kids, life is a struggle. And so really working to set yourself up for success. And I just love to hear the encouragement of the things that you're doing to kind of keep you guys on track with, hey, this matters to us. So let's invest time in into this. Any other thoughts around that, around, you know, investing in your marriage, how you keep that fire going, how you keep it exciting um, when also having kids and a business? Any other thoughts on that? Yeah, first is make time, man. I mean, I think our, I love our kids. I love my kids, but I want to have my kids without my wife, right? So I think, yeah. I mean, I'm not trying you know, at some, most points, you know, she does need to come first. Um, so I think making time for, to go out, to regularly go out on dates, you know, do something spontaneous, do stuff you guys haven't done before, you know, just thinking outside the box. But then also, yes, investing back into your marriage would go in, to events together. Um, like I said, we have a life search, just like a Christian conference coming up. Me and my wife and another couple are going to that, um, doing our couple's Bible studies as much as we can, you know, and just can trying to get to spend as much time as we can away from everything else. And when the kids go to bed, you know, just cause you guys put your phones down during dinner with the kids, you know, it's the same thing when you're with your wife and a lot of guys are, they get the kids in bed and they're back on their phone and, uh, me and my wife have both been guilty of that where we're just sitting next to each other, both just watching Instagram reels. I think last night we were sending each other Instagram reels, which is actually a lot of fun. You know, she's cracking up and uh, I'm like, what? She's like, one second. I'm like, ding. I'm like, and I'm cracking up laughing too. Um, but I definitely think like thinking outside the box and spending time with your spouse is, is huge. Um, we just we recently went up to a place in Atlanta where they have like a restaurant you have to reserve to go eat. But afterwards, it's like a, it's kind of like a carnival. It's called, um, called rooftop on the pots and so they got like a like a ferris wheel up there like those big carnival slides like carnival games 
And so just being able to get a babysitter and do something like that was a mm, lot of fun. Yeah, I dig it. But um, I think as an entrepreneur too is, you know, I'm lucky now in my career, like, you know, two, three years ago, I mean, I, I wasn't working a lot because I was like the only guy selling, selling jobs. And Right, right. This has grown, so I have more freedom away from it. But I still think you just got to find, you have to make time. Like, like, business, like whatever you're, whatever's going on with business, like it's, gonna be there the next day you know but that go taking your wife out to dinner or whatever your kids go has going on is only gonna happen on that one day you know and i think mm. i think that's big for a lot of, people put a lot of work before everything else and work's gonna be there yeah dude so good so good nick before i ask my last question any final thoughts anything we didn't touch on uh that you want to share about fatherhood marriage life um covered a bunch of great stuff, but any last things that, that you had on your mind that I didn't get to? Man, I don't know. Not really. I would just think of, just think as we, as we grow as, as you know, I, I got this, I got two big sayings. I say, I say at home and I say, I say at work too. I say to my employees is the first one I, I learned from, um, another guy in my church just passed away. He said it's measure twice, cut once. And I, I like on my, on our, Checks. I'm handing employees checks, but you know, it's just basically think twice before you act. You know what I mean? And yeah, think yeah. Really before you make decisions. Um, you know, and and the other thing is we we can always love more, and we can. And something I was going to touch on is hmm. I always, I like to say that if we're not growing, we're dying. <laughs> and yeah. I think as men, as fathers, as people in the workforce, whatever we got going on, we can always grow and we can always better ourselves. I think we need to show that to our families too, that no matter where we're at, we can always, you know, practice doesn't make perfection. You know what I mean? It makes, it makes, uh, you know, improvement basically. And I think that's big is that we just need to consistently try our best to grow each and every day. Dude. Yes. And I think that's why us dads are here, you know, and, and in that idea of growth, I think, uh, having grace for yourself. Like, you know, if you hear Nick or myself or other dads on the podcast, don't let, don't let it overwhelm you or make you feel like you're not a great dad. Like we're sharing the struggles, but we're also sharing the highlight reel too. And, and it is a struggle. Being a dad is a lot of work. Being a husband is a ton of work, you know, but if you, if you're putting yourself around other people, you're, you're connecting with guys like Nick and, and building relationships. <clears throat> I think just hearing each other share is so powerful because I think a lot of times us dudes could feel alone. So I just want to say to you, dad, just have grace for yourself as you're on a growth pattern. You're here now, you're listening right now. You are investing in yourself and then implement what you can and continue to grow. Um, and uh, Nick, man, just, I love it. Here's my last question for you. It's a legacy question. So imagine 30 years from now, okay? Your kids are going to be a little bit older than you are right now. If you were to stand out in a cul-de-sac, peer into their homes and see the lives that they are living, what is it that you'd see being played out in their homes? And you'd know the day in, day out decisions, actions, the way you speak, the way you treat them all added up to the people that they are now. <clears throat> what is it that you'd hope to see in their homes? Um, well, I would hope to see them loving each other, spending time together, you know, probably all in the same room as mm. well. I, I definitely would, would think, you know, um, and I may be watching like old skateboarding, kickboxing videos of me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Love it. Love it. Yeah, man. It's still a thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> I know. What will it be then? Yeah. So something you said, they're all together in one room. <clears throat> this idea of just being together is such a beautiful thing. Spending time together being in the same room, being in each other's presence. Uh, Nick, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Um, just kudos to you, man, for, for clearly a very intentional husband, father, business owner, friend, son to your dad. Um, I love the man that you are and just keep growing, dude. 29 years old, keep growing, keep investing in yourself and those around you. And I'm um, just excited for you and for life and for your family. So thanks for being on the podcast. And, and I look forward to connecting with you again in the future. Thank you. All right, man. Until next time. Well, my friends, what another amazing conversation with an amazing father. One of the things that really stuck out to me is the impact we can have in this life is really on those right around us, those who are right there in our midst. Your greatest impact, my friend, isn't going to be in business, isn't going to be in some feat that you have. It will be in your marriage, in your role as a father. That is what will last for multiple, multiple generations, the way you show up as a father. Your impact is enormous. Thank you to all you dads out there listening to Rebellion Creates Fatherhood Field Notes podcast, What You Do Matters. Don't be like everybody else. Be yourself. That is your kids, spouse, and community needs. This is your guide, Ned Shout. Together, let's rebel against the view that fatherhood has little impact and create lives engaged in mastering the craft of fatherhood. I look forward to hanging out with you next time.